Hello and welcome to Setting the Scheme. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And Elijah, you brought a guest. I brought a guest, a returning guest. Yeah, that's Rebecca. Hey. Rebecca. How have you been? Been okay. How have y'all been? <laughs> I'm guessing you were better before we watched this movie. Oh, so much better. And I <laughs> didn't think I could get any lower. I didn't think I was going to be as as bad after watching this movie as I currently am. But like, <laughs> this movie really has put me out funk. Doug and Rebecca are both the uh, book readers this week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Doug, what, what did we watch? Oh, this week, this week, dear listeners, we watched Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, released in 2010, directed by Chris Columbus, who also directed the first two Harry Potter movies. I That's do right. have beef about that. I have huge beef about that. I want to talk um, about that, too. Starring Logan Lerman, Alexandra Daddario, Brandon T. Jackson, Jake Abel, Kevin McKidd, Pierce Brosnan, Rosario Dawson, Uma Thurman, Sean Bean, and a whole heck of a lot of other people. Um, this movie uh, was based on the first book in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series written by Rick Riordan uh, back in the early 2000s. And currently it holds a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a weird one. A 4.7 out of 5 on Walmart.com and a 75% on Google. And hold on, because I am just genuinely curious about how much money this movie made and was made for. So give okay, me yeah. Is, is the Walmart one because Walmart just loves a movie they can throw into a package with other movies and sell that way? Because this is where that movie shows up. Well, to be fair, this is a movie that like shows up in the two dollars seventy seven bin uh, for Walmart all right. the time. Right. Um. Okay. Real quick. So this movie was made for ninety five million, and it grossed eighty eight point seven million. Ooh. So it bombed. It did make it up. It did make it up internationally, but domestically, okay. it bombed. Was that total domestic or just opening weekend? That was total domestic. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it makes a difference that it came out in the midst of Harry Potter and Chronicles of Narnia movies that were making, you know, a lot of money. I mean, it kind of came in. It kind of came in on the back end. Yeah. Uh, So it was like people people had already seen all those fantasy movies and were maybe like not feeling the smaller, lesser known fantasy stories because they were just done after they watched the big ones. Well, question. Is if it bombed that much, how on earth did they get a sequel? Well, for one thing, it made like it like doubled or tripled its money internationally. Ah. Um, like I mean, it made its money back, uh, just not domestically. Okay. And I I think I think a very important thing to keep in mind is Percy Jackson was a huge series around this point, specifically for specifically for younger groups. Like Harry Potter was sort of like a more like middle age, not middle age, middle school <laughs> uh, group, late elementary, middle school group, while Percy Jackson was very much so like elementary school. Um, it was a great elementary school. Like I read it. I read I reread the series earlier this year um, just on a whim. Uh, but uh, but I think that's one thing to keep in co- to keep in mind contextually is that. This was probably the height of the Percy Jackson, like, 
craze. Mm-hmm. Um, I also note um, Aragon, uh, the film came out four years prior to this, which is another. We, yeah, we talked about Aragon having the same uh, issue. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, Doug, Rebecca, y'all are our <clears throat> book readers this week. So, tell us about your experience with this. Rebecca, oh, well, you can go first. Yeah. So, I actually read this book, these books, in more like middle school. Um, me and my best friend were obsessed. We, I have so many great memories of sitting in class at school and reading my book and not listening to the teacher. (laughs) I also have another great memory of it being what felt like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. But looking back, I'm like, surely it wasn't that late because I remember I ran into my parents' bedroom and I begged and begged and begged them to take me to Barnes and Noble because I had to get the next Percy Jackson book or I was going to die. And my dad put me in the car and took me to Barnes and Noble. So now that I'm older, I'm like, surely it wasn't 10 or 11 o'clock because they don't stay open that late, but it felt like it was so late. So I have very fond memories of these books. They were my favorite. I was never into Harry Potter until much later. So this was the thing that I was super into. Like I was in love with Percy Jackson. I had like all of the paraphernalia. I wanted to be Annabeth Chase. Like, oh my goodness, I was obsessed. Like you guys don't even know. Uh, uh, So before we get to your uh, experience with the movie, Doug, tell us your experience with the book. Oh, with the book. Um, So, so. We'll start with the good stuff and then similar. Take the nosedive. Yeah, similarly, I started reading these in middle school. And what's really weird is this was the first book series that I like fell in love with the artwork. So for some strange reason, this is weird. I bought all the books like years before I started reading them, like probably like two or three years before I started reading them, um, just because I love the artwork on them. So, so I owned all these books and around middle school i was obsessed with greek mythology and uh one of my friends who had already read all the books um like said well doug if you really like greek mythology you should read percy jackson i said okay and this was one of the few series that holds the title of like i read every single book in a single day like not not all five books in one day but it took me a day like i read each book in one day okay um, and probably really less impressive than reading all five in one day but still yeah. no, you could do actual, it though the most impressive the most impressive like read a book in a single day uh accolade that i have is i read the first two divergent books in one day um which those are both like 600 page books um so yeah that was that was probably the highlight of that um, but anywho, similar to Rebecca, I was obsessed with these books, like so obsessed. And what's crazy is, is that when I started reading them, they had been done for a little while. Like they had been like out, the movie had been out for a hot minute. Um, and the second movie was about to come out, but, um, but Rick Riordan was like starting to write the sequel series to the books, like, uh, Heroes of Olympus. So, 
Yeah, I think that I actually like read Percy Jackson and subsequently Heroes of Olympus at like the perfect time because because I caught it like in that mid swing where Rick Riordan had already finished the books uh, for the hero for the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, and he was starting up the sequel series here Heroes of Olympus. Um, but yeah, no, I I love these books dearly. I've read them way too many times. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Rebecca, um, I'm guessing that you read the books before the movie came out. I did. Um, Doug, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 22. I'm 22. So okay, I'm just 24. But I was like, wait a minute, are you like a lot younger than me? Um, no, I did read them before the movie came out. Uh, so did you go see the movie opening night or? Um, I don't know if it was like opening night, but it was very like close to the release date because we were. For, for, for context, uh, the movie came out right after the fourth okay. book came out. Okay. Um, and then That's I, weird. yeah. And then I probably started reading them about three or three or four years after that. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So the um, first movie's just come out. Were you excited to go see it? Oh yes. Like <laughs> um I remember seeing the movie trailer with my best friend that I mentioned earlier. And as soon as Logan Lerman hit the screen, we were like, oh, oh my goodness. Because we were so in love with Percy Jackson. And at that moment when we found out that Logan Lerman was going to be Percy Jackson. We were like, here we go, man, here we go. So we were so excited to see our favorite books come to life. Little did we know. Yeah. So at what point in the movie when you saw it the first time, did you kind of have that, oh no, moment? Probably like 10 seconds into it, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... 10 yeah. seconds in that's sean bean you didn't like him <laughs> that hey he didn't die in this movie yeah Literally, i thought sean bean was one of the good parts well that whole first scene immediately told me this is not going to be anything like the books and we'll probably get into this a little bit but that whole scene just the way that they were playing those characters was nothing like the characters in the book were going to be. So, so this is really interesting. And I think this is, I think this is why it's so important that I say that I started reading the books after the movie had come out and after the first series was done is because I have never held interest in this series or in this franchise in a world where I didn't know that the movie was bad. Because when I started reading these books in middle school, um, like all my friends who had already read the books, they saw the movie opening night and they were straight up like, Doug, it's not a good movie. Like they do not follow the books. So I think it's interesting that this is one of the first movies that I've ever seen. And I went into it knowing this is going to be terrible. For, for the record, though, for me, the moment where I was just like, oh, there's no coming back from this is the moment when they introduced Annabeth. Okay. Uh, well, before we get too far into it, uh, Doug, what happens in this movie? Sure. Uh, this is a giant fetch quest. If you can keep it brief. 
yeah this is a giant fetch quest movie here's the thing so uh percy jackson the son of poseidon uh is accused of stealing zeus's uh lightning bolt the like ultimate source of his power uh his greatest weapon um and Percy has to go to the underworld. Even now, it's like hard to explain because the movie is so different from the from the book mm-hmm. that even the fetch quest is different because they're not going to the they're not going to the underworld to get the lightning bolt from Hades. They're going to the underworld to get Percy's mom. Like wow. Like, I don't get where the lightning bolt is coming in there. I don't get where the... Rebecca, do, do you do you have a... Did I miss something? Because the fetch quest doesn't work when they're not actively trying to fetch the thing that they need. No, I totally agree with you. And while we were watching this movie, we had a group message going on, and Elijah and Ben were confused the entire time mm-hmm. because they just didn't explain so many things. And... I, so I don't think you missed anything because I really don't think that they mention it. I'd say the way it seemed watching the movie, Percy just kind of said, I don't really care about the lightning bolt. I just want to get my mom back. Yeah. That's- so that's where we're going to go. Let's go get these little pearls and then we're going to go. Yeah, that's that's basically. They do. And then the lightning bolt also happens to be there because little guy whose name I still don't remember uh took it and uh blamed it on percy yeah so in the movie they find out they had the lightning bolt the whole time in the shield is that the way it is in the book no i I think they said that hades has it okay so 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 there's a really big character missing from the movie and that character actually has the lightning bolt in the book um, and the character is Ares, the god of war. Um, so, so, so the way it kind of works is in in the book, uh, Luke, who is the son of Hermes, who is like the big bad for the series, he has stolen Zeus's lightning bolt and given it to Ares because he is convinced Ares and some other things have happened to convince Ares that if a giant war breaks out between the gods it'll be great because he's the god of war he feeds off war he'll be the most powerful person like period and he can he can take over after all the wreckage happens um and during the book uh percy and annabeth like fulfill a quest like just do kind of run some errands for Ares. and as a gift Ares gives them supplies and in the supplies is the lightning bolt so like so yeah they cut out Ares, and therefore they kind of cut out like a really big plot point um yeah such a huge plot point because then there's something else that they leave out because doug i don't remember if you're i don't know if you remember this little detail remember there's something about everything that's going on that makes Ares a little nervous yeah yeah there's this is going to go into a this is going to go into a point later on because i just want to hear what ben and elijah think uh the movies and the book go from here um that i can't really get into now 
but there's a really big plot point that's kind of surrounding everything that I can't explain right now because the movie doesn't mention it. Ah. Uh, yeah. Bottom line, this movie deviates so hard from the books that it's kind of even hard to to explain what happens because you can't use the plot of the book because it doesn't follow it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so different. It's just a giant fetch quest. And uh, I was joking in that group chat that Rebecca mentioned. It's like, they defeated a monster. Now they're level three. Yeah, that's kind of the way it feels. It does yeah. feel like a video game plot. That's the term Ben used. I use the term plot coupons that I found on the internet recently. That's mm-hmm. what they're trying to find with those little pearls um, yeah. that were we hear done differently in the book. Um, I would compare this to, okay, so the Chronicles of Narnia series that started coming out um, initially directed by Andrew Adams. I think that's his name. Uh, in like 2005, um, they did a lot of things that I think paved the way for other movie makers to be like, oh yeah, we could make a m- movie based on Percy Jackson. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia movies, each one is worse than the one before. Um, they only did three um, and each one deviates significantly more from the source material than the one before. So by the time you get to that third Narnia movie, um, yeah. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, okay. it looks really, really different from the original story. And they make it a video game plot, just like this. They turn it into a search for plot coupons. Um, that's wh- whereas the original story was fine. There was no need to mess with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like this is very similar to that Voyage of the Dawn Trader movie in that it's a complete like fetch quest. Like we need to go here, get these things, and that will end the story. Yeah, oh, go here, get this one thing. Go here to get another. Go here to get a third. All right, now we can go face the final boss and get mom back. Right. Like, for a movie, it's not interesting. Yeah. For a, for a game, that's great because you get to drive the action of all those right. things, but not for a movie. Right. Because, I mean, there's no suspense. There's no, oh, what's going to happen next? Because, I mean, you know what's going to happen. They're going to get through each of these different plot points. And eventually they're going to beat the big bad, whoever it may be, somehow. Well, I mean, and, and here's the writing the thing. doesn't help at all. Because well, the writing well, is atrocious. And, and here's the thing, is that what's funny is that the subsequent books, with the exception of the final book, um, two, three, and four are all kind of fetch quest books. But it works better in book form because there are so many detours and there are so many ways that you can take it that it never feels like derivative or it never feels just kind of aimless. In a movie, in a movie, you can't have this whole, we need to go to these different places, get these things, and then that will get us to the ending because because a movie can't have this like, a movie can't have this sort of, not aimless but like a movie can't operate on that kind of plot for very long and and i think that's why the first book has such a good plot structure because it literally just says we need to get from here to here to do this and everything else that happens in the book is a series of unfortunate events the movie sets it up as we're going to get you to the series of unfortunate events, but they're going to be pre-planned. And then that will maybe get us to the ending. Mm -hmm. 
and it's, I don't know, it's just kind of, it's really weird just how poorly this, this movie adapts this source material. Okay. Can we go ahead and talk about Chris Columbus? Yes. Sure. Because he directed two of the Harry Potter movies that are the most faithful to the source material. Yeah. Mm. Those first two Harry Potter movies are pretty close to the books. I mean, compared to the third and fourth movies, which are the ones that I would say deviate the most. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really, here's, here's the thing is that this past year, you know, in my, quest to watch as many new movie or not new movies movies that are new to me as possible um it's really weird because uh, i watched all the harry potter movies for the first time and when i saw that those first two were directed by chris columbus i was like excuse me <laughs> like like how how did you do this and then you gave us the crap that is percy jackson like like how dare you sir yeah, you would think, based on his track record with those other children's fantasy movies, that he he has a policy of sticking close to the source material. He does not. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I don't entirely blame... Like, all the blame is not Chris's, because, like, I mean, you know, you have writers and studios... I was about that... to say, Chris Columbus did not do the screenplay for any uh-huh. of these. Um, yeah. Okay. looking at some of the other stuff that the guy that did the writing um, for Percy Jackson wrote. And All right, what's his name? Let's talk about him. <laughs> uh, Craig yeah. Titley. I need to know who I'm... Craig who? Uh, Craig Titley. All right. <laughs> uh, looks like he wrote um, 13 episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., wrote two episodes of a TV show called The Cape, um, wrote two episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, uh, did character work on Cheaper by the Dozen 2, uh, did the screenplay no, he didn't. By the dozen. I love that movie. Did the screenplay for Scooby Doo? Uh, the movie? Yeah, 2002. All uh, right. He adapted. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that we are totally in the right to bash this dude's writing. <laughs> uh, he wrote the screenplay for Conspiracy Theory. Did we land on the moon? Yeah, we're totally in the right to bash this dude's writing. We well, are he was t- one of the writers uh, on that. Okay, Ben, tell us what you didn't like about the writing. <laughs> Jeez, where to start? Uh, so this will kind of bleed over into another point that I'm going to get to later. Um, but we've done this a few times on the podcast, um, but a lot of people will try and take fantasy movies, which can be so good. Like you can get stuff like Lord of the Rings. You can get stuff like uh, Star Wars as a space fantasy. You can get stuff like the first Chronicles of Narnia that is this deep beautiful world and you get these people today who take these fantasy worlds and they just like well we're just going to take fantastical elements and uh then oh yeah well these are directed towards like geeks and nerds so we're gonna throw in these like uh jokey lines and just try and get you to go ha 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 like uh there was one line that um, I think uh, Medusa said at one point. Uh, Are we talking about that line? Yes. 
when she says, I dated your daddy. And yes, that to one. And I'm just like, did she really just say that? Is that a line that an actual screenwriter wrote? Yeah, and not only would that be a in a horribly real cringy, movie. Yeah, that would be a horribly cringy line in any context. But she says that in the middle of these characters fighting for their lives. Right. And like, this is Medusa, like the, the lady with snakes on her head that turned you into stone. She said, I dated your daddy. Like So weird. What? And that's not the only line like that in this movie. Yeah. Like we were randomly quoting um, different things that happened throughout the entire movie in that group chat. Um, Grover has some doozies. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to find them now. Uh, there was something like die and come back yeah um, the little guy at the river stick says die and come back uh, the psychopomp I know terms <laughs> uh, glad you know that uh, sorry. his name in Greek mythology is Charon huh. it's spelled the exact same as Chiron only with an A instead of an I hmm um he did not come from these loins oh yeah (laughs) so okay so actually i think that that might actually be in the book oh yeah i I think you wrote i think uh, it is i think it is because gabe oddly enough i think gabe is one of the more faithfully uh adapted characters from the book to the movie well Um, and I mean, it's not that hard. You literally just have to have an obnoxious jerk. Like hey, that's his whole character. Is that actor the guy from The Matrix? Yes. That turned. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I thought I recognized him. Yep. I, I looked that up. But yes. Uh, let's see. What other? We've, we've seen him in something else that we reviewed on the podcast because we talked about him on a couple episodes. I can't remember his name. But yeah, there were several lines throughout that were just bad. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like the point at which fantasy writers started um, or the point at which fantasy stories are being adapted to movies and screenwriters go, what if we're ironic about this? Mm -hmm. What if we what if we take this lore and this world and we just lace it with irony yeah and it's and it's just like sort of these winks to the audience to say like we know this is stupid well that is so disrespectful to the audience of those books because it's like to them this isn't stupid like even percy jackson even though it's a kid's story and it's a kid's book and it's one that you know i read now and i'm like that's that's immature but i still take it seriously like it still mm. is a serious subject matter. Like serious things do happen in the books and in the movie, or not in the movies, but in the in the source material. Yeah, so I to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think people born in the eighties and nineties just have a hard time treating things with sincerity a lot, mm-hmm. and I say that as someone who thrives off of sarcasm it's okay to love something sincerely, especially if it's dorky. But it's always fantasy movies that they do that with. Yeah. Because, I mean, we saw it with uh, Aragon. We saw it with um, 
the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like those are both stories that could have been incredibly interesting and incredibly well done. And instead we got cheesy one-liners the entire time. Yeah. Even the, even my, my sacred movie, uh, the Lord of the Rings is guilty of a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And the source material wasn't. Uh, also, uh, Elijah, going back to this, uh, that actor has been in two other movies that uh, we've talked about. Um, one was Memento, and um, the other yes. was Cats and Dogs. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember him in Memento too now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're not fans of the writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Doug and Rebecca, were there any other key? Uh, flaws in the adaptation that you wanted to gripe about i've got one and this would be something that is um maybe a little cheesy but i loved it as a middle schooler so i would have loved to see it in the movie annabeth calls percy seaweed brain and he calls her wise girl and it's like really sweet because well in the books they like don't really have a thing for each other for a while and they really play it up in the movie because sure they had to do that but it's sweet I mean, they're because, also not 12 years old in the movie right that's true too but in the books like they don't really like each other at first because annabeth is all like i'm a daughter of athena and athena and poseidon are enemies but she calls him seaweed brain because she's like you're annoying and dumb but then they get to be like friends and then seaweed brain and wise girl become like sweet little friend names. And it's like such a sweet little thing. And yes, it's cheesy, but I would have liked to see it in the movie. But I mean, it goes back to that point that I was trying to make earlier in that there's a level of sincerity that the books take that the movie doesn't. And because you have these characters who are so snarky that like they can't, they can't show that real emotion that the books thrive off of because the books get deep, like, like, and not even just, not even just within the Percy Jackson Olympian series, but when they go into the sequel series, like they go dark, like they go real dark with some of the emotions they tackle. And at the heart of all of that emotion is Annabeth and Percy and there's just none of that in here. And even in the sequel movie, which I know I'm the only one here who's seen the sequel to the movie, but in the sequel, like it's even worse. They're even they're even more snarky. And it just it does not work with these characters. And I know part of that's because like they age them up and older people kind of doing that that cutesy back and forth doesn't read as well. Um as it does if they're kids but i mean dang like let them have some emotion because there's none there's just snark and uh and crassness between them also big thing grover is not nearly as confident in the books as he is in this movie and i love brandon t jackson i think he's one of the better parts of this movie he's annoying in some parts but Good Lord, Grover is not nearly as confident in, mm-hmm. uh, in the books. I, he kind of just grades on you throughout this. Yeah. Because I, I, I tried to like be a defender of him because like th- uh, the three of y'all all said like at the beginning, oh, yeah, he's, he's not this annoying in the book. I'm like, I don't think he's that annoying. And then the movie kept going. I'm like, yeah, they're right. He is really annoying. That's yeah, I felt that way. However, 
I did genuinely laugh in the scene when it looks like he's about to take a sip of his drink and then he actually eats the can like a goat. Yep. That was genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. He does that a lot in the book. <laughs> I um, like that. I mean, like, yeah, there are bits of this movie that aren't bad. It's, I feel like a lot of those are things that they copied from the book, but. Yeah. Um, going back to it, uh, Doug, I almost called you Ben because that's what your name is on here. Um, but going back to what Doug said about emotions and stuff, something that I noticed, I recently read the book, like finished it today um, for the, I don't know, fifth or sixth time. But anyway, um, they, they really missed just like what these kids go through of having a parent that is a god or a goddess because in the movie they portray the gods as like they really care about their children and they watch over them and at the end Athena is all like I'm proud of you Annabeth but really Annabeth kind of struggles a lot because she doesn't have a good relationship with her human dad and her mom is not around because she's too busy for them and there's a lot of resentment from all of the kids because they like genuinely feel abandoned by their parents and I feel like I didn't notice that when I was a kid reading this but reading it when I was older I was like oh my gosh these kids are like feeling real pain and in the movie the only person that you can really tell has these daddy issues is Luke who says he has daddy issues so that was really interesting that they like went that whole way with the gods because it is not that way in the book and and here's the thing because because you're absolutely right I reread the books uh, earlier this year and you start to sympathize with Luke you start to really get where he's coming from because Luke's whole deal is Luke's whole deal is I don't get how I don't get how all these gods and goddesses can like come down, have kids with mortals and then just say, all right, you're done. Have fun dying to some horrific monsters and dying a horrific death. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's so much neglect and the gods are the worst in the books. Like they are absolute trash. Like I said, I said this in that group chat that we had going, you know, Sean Bean really plays Zeus like Zeus is in the book because Zeus is the absolute worst because because I mean, he's Zeus. He's like king of the gods. He's he's just like, how dare you even look at me? Yeah, that's that seems close to the real OG source material, the myths where Zeus was very deeply flawed. Yeah. And like there's. There, there's okay i'm sorry i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you talk in just a second um there's a great part in the book because in the uh in the book at the end of at the end of the lightning thief after they get out of uh the underworld um they have to fly across the country to new york and and when percy takes the bolt to zeus zeus is like how dare you even step how dare you even get on a plane and he says something to the effect of like, how dare you pollute my skies with your presence? Mm. Like, Mm-mm. like you have, harsh. No, yeah, no, it's very harsh. And it's just like, it's, it's great because the gods actually suck in the books and here they don't. Zeus is the only one who sucks. And it's because he's the only one who doesn't have kids for now. Hades sucks too. 
Hades sucks, but he's Hades. Yeah. <laughs> Hades actually is one of the more sympathetic gods in the books. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say, let's use that to kind of shift and talk about the casting a little bit. I would talk about Sean Bean already. I have a bone to pick uh, with the casting. Um, I hated Rosaria Dawson as Persephone because uh, I've seen her in a lot more things recently and seeing her as Persephone, it, it just felt icky. Um, but I didn't like it. I don't know who she is. Uh, she is in uh, all of the Marvel Netflix TV shows. She was Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. Um, was her She's very good. She's in Rent, but I... She's a very talented actress. She's so, incredibly talented. How about Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> Pierce Bro- Here's the thing. Sean Bain gives the performance of Zeus he knows that he needs to give. Pierce Brosnan gives the performance of Chiron that he thinks this movie is deserving of. Because <laughs> Pierce Brosnan knows what kind of movie he's in. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned this earlier, but let's talk a little bit more about it. Um, in the books, I know y'all mentioned that these characters are supposed to be 12. Yeah. Characters in this, they aren't 12. Logan Lerman is not 12. Yeah, so they don't say anything about it in this movie, but in the sequel that no one saw, um, but in the sequel, they do clarify that they're 16 um, and not 12. Uh, but in the first movie, like that's a huge gripe that people have is because they never make the distinction that they're like 16. Um, so everyone's just kind of supposed to assume that they're really old looking 12 year olds. Um, much to the film's detriment, because if you go into this with the mindset of these kids are 12, they ain't 12, man. They ain't yeah. 12 at all. Well, at the very least, in the in kind of the opening scene with uh, Percy and Grover, they do say something about being in high school, right? Oh yeah, they do. Uh, You're right. So they do. They make that much effort to let you know they aged up the characters. I don't know. And then you, I think that I think an argument can be made for Brandon T. Jackson actually being a really good cast for Grover because he's the only one who I'm just like, yeah, that works. That that genuinely works for Grover. He's a little too like confident and like cocky, but Brandon T. Jackson I think works for Grover. Logan Lerman and Alexandra Daddario have no place playing the characters that they are. I feel so bad because I really do like uh, Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. Um, he's, I love Perks of Being Wallflower, and he is incredible in that movie. And then to see him do this, it's just like, ugh, come on, man. Yeah. And, and Alexander Dario, granted, like, has just done a lot more stuff. Um, but I mean, she, this is just not her, this is neither of their character types, mm-hmm. like, at all. <sighs> it's just it's weird it's so weird yeah um this movie also falls into the trap of really bad fight sequences Mm. you know all the corny like spin moves and stuff where they're moving so slow that you're like yeah you would have gotten stabbed and died if this was a real fight you know all those things 
you can tell the mark of a movie with a poor stunt coordinator or poor fight choreographer by how much they have to slow down the fight sequences. Uh-huh. Yeah, those those spin moves kill me. Not that I know anything about how real fighting works, but just from watching the movie, like, you know, like if somebody was trying to kill you and you spun around like that to hit him with a sword, you would have a knife in your back right then. Like you just, you're wide open. Are you trying to die? What is that uh, move? Is that another thing we can talk about? Like Percy is very much a Mary Sue in this movie. Um, yeah. He's just instantly good at everything he does. Like I get that he's a demigod. Cool. But that doesn't make you all of a sudden really good at fighting with a sword or understanding how to use your powers or learning how to use these little flying shoots from Hermes. Like <laughs> just because you have this natural talent doesn't mean you can just automatically master that stuff. And uh, I don't yeah. like it. And and that does that does bring up a problem that you even that was discussed in our group chat. Because I mean Ben, you even asked like are the rest of these kids demigods or are they just like normal kids? And in the book, like is Percy overpowered? Absolutely. But everyone around him is very powerful. Um, And there's one again, very important character that's left out of these movies. Actually, she does show up in the second movie, Uh, but it's this girl named Clarice who is a daughter of Ares and she royally like demolishes Percy like constantly, like sends him to the infirmary for stabbing him multiple times. Um, but I mean, he does come into this movie and he's just good at everything. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with it, but I'm reading the trivia on, on IMDb right now. And I just have to read this. Uh, after Rick Riordan read the script, he hated it so much that he offered to revise it without pay. The studio did not accept the offer. He hates this movie. Anna, um, he hates it so much. I would too. Involved with the Disney readaptation, right? Yeah, he like that was a contingency. He said he would do a he would do a series for uh, Disney Plus, um, but he had to like have full control. Gotcha. Cool. Good for him. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be better that way. Well, uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but there's actually a Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief musical. Um, I did not know that. That he has zero involvement in. Cool. Good. Huh? Is it good? It's got a cult following. I don't like it. I think it's dumb, but okay. rights are cheap to it. If anybody out there is interested in producing a version of uh, a Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, the musical. I feel like it would be expensive to put on. Uh, it's kind of like She Kills Monsters. You can do it for a lot of money and it'll be really good. Or you can put, you can do it for very little money and it'll be good, but in a very different way. I want to touch on a scene that y'all said was not in the book. Um, and I would have predicted that this was not in the book if you hadn't told me because it didn't feel right at all. It didn't make much sense when Hades shows up one third of the way through the movie. Oh, at camp. Yeah. Yeah, that does not happen. Not even a little. Yeah. And then 
later towards the end of the movie they finally get to hades and he looks different and then he's like oh yeah would you like to see this and then he goes all demon mode again like the first time you see him <laughs> all of that was bad mm-hmm. so bad Jeez. But, but honestly just this whole movie was just <sighs> i wanted to enjoy this movie and i'm struggling to find things that i enjoyed about it I probably would enjoy the book. Ben, you probably would too, I'm guessing. I, th- I think y'all would like the books. Ben, a little less than Elijah. I don't know, Ben. I I think you might like the books, but you also might find them very childish. But they are written for children, so, you know, t- take it for what it's worth. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, but, but I do have a question for both you and Elijah. Uh, because this was supposed this was supposed to be the first movie in a series of five, because it's the first book in a series of five books. Um, just out of curiosity, where do you think that the story goes from here? Because I'll, I'll go on. I'll give you this one piece of advice: Luke is the big bad, and he's not dead at the end of this movie. Okay. Um, so I've been thinking about this. Um, I think that. Um, at some point, Poseidon dies, and Percy is called on to replace Poseidon. And uh, in some combat, he will have to fight Luke because Luke is like, "Hey, why is Percy becoming a a full god when I'm here?" And I'm guessing at some point he will probably also succeed in making the gods go to war, uh, and then Percy will also have to step in to stop that. Um, Annabeth's affections for uh, Percy end up becoming torn uh, between him and a very studly werewolf from a nearby Native American reservation. (laughs) And then there's a love triangle for the rest of the series. Hmm. (laughs) And then uh, after she ends up with Percy... Uh, their child makes some sort of weird connection with the uh, buff werewolf, right? <clears throat> All right. Now I'm out of my depth with the twilight joke. Okay. Um, okay but, uh, and, and her daughter is named Nessie after the Loch Ness monster. Cool. Um, and then it gets really meta and they actually make a movie inside the movie about all of their adventures and they cast <laughs> Kristen Stewart as uh annabeth wow okay i can see that and as percy jackson and taylor lautner is the studly werewolf Uh, that's a stretch um (laughs) you're right real predictions at some point they almost die in a giant whirlpool um and they they end up on a quest where poseidon is the primary antagonist and it leads to all kinds of like father-son issues for percy that's my prediction solid guesses solid guesses are either of us remotely close um i mean there are times in the book where they almost die in a giant whirlpool um i think actually in the second movie i think there is a scene where they almost die in a giant whirlpool um and there is a little bit of a, 
a little bit of a battle that happens between Luke and Percy. Uh, there's actually a lot of battles between Luke and Percy, and Percy is given the option, the opportunity to become a full god okay. at the end of at the end of the entire series. Cool. He's given the opportunity to become a full god. It's right. not for the reason that you suggested. Okay. Uh, and I but, bet he uh, says no. Say that again. And I bet he says no. I don't know. You'll have to read the books to find out. And I'm not going to tell on the air uh, what uh, what actually does happen. So this is my this is my uh, charge to everyone listening to this podcast who hasn't already. Go on, let's go on and read the Percy Jackson books. It's mm-hmm. an easy five book read. And then if you're really interested, read the Heroes of Olympus series, which is the sequel series. Mm-hmm. And okay, I don't so- care about the other series that are written. So actually he gets offered the opportunity to become an immortal God and he doesn't take it because he's in love with Annabeth and he would rather spend one lifetime with her than face all the ages of this earth alone. Now I'm stealing from the love story from the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) To be fair, that is what happens. Um, (laughs) I mean, that is a very small thing that happens. That is a very small thing that happens in the grand scheme of things because a whole lot of other stuff happens. <laughs> All right. Well, before Doug spoils any more of that, I think it's time we score the sucker. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just wondering if I could give a negative score that I was beating. You cannot. You can't break it. Ben is it's very clear. It's way worse than I remember it. It's so much worse than I remember it. All right. So who wants to go first? Uh, I can. Um, So uh, I will say that my score will probably be a little bit higher than uh, Doug's or Rebecca's because um, they both read the books and know that how much this film deviates from the books. And even though I do know that, yes, the movie did deviate from the books, I never read the book, so I don't feel like it would be fair for me to sit here and try and compare the two. Um, as for the movie itself, um, I don't think it's good. Um, I absolutely would not watch it again. Um, but it is not the worst thing I've ever seen in the world. Uh, I think there are some fun parts. Um, I think the acting is fine. Um, uh, one thing that we didn't really talk about, I think the special effects in this movie are actually pretty good um yeah that's fair that's fair they were i mean on par with chronicles of narnia right right yeah um and like even in the last 11 years like i I think it's aged well too i don't know if that'll continue to be the case moving forward but uh so i'm going to give this movie a 53 i was gonna say 51 rebecca why don't you go first I was going to give it an eight. (laughs) (laughs) This movie hurt her feelings. It did, but if I maybe had never seen it before, I maybe would have given it more in the 40s. I mean, never read the book, but it was just, it was bad in and of itself. And then the fact that it's based off of a book and is not based off of a book, then I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to give it an eight. So, hmm. wow. Well, I just want to say that 
in actuality, I put this somewhere between Aragon and Sleepaway Camp as one of the worst movies that we've watched on this podcast. And that's entirely based on the fact that I've read the book. Um, and I know that the score I'm going to give is way lower than the score that I gave both of those movies. But just know, in my head, retroactively, I'm giving both of those movies significantly lower scores. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie the age that Percy Jackson should have been in this movie, a 12. Nice. All right. Uh, well, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, uh, we get a final score of 31. So nice. this is it failed. Uh, worst movies that uh, we've watched on this podcast. Um, but yeah, that that was Percy Jackson. Now we never Which have I to think- talk about him again. <laughs> actually, I think when you average it out, I think it's actually really close to what Sleepaway Camp is because I think Sleepaway Camp is a 30. I don't remember. I know that I gave it a 30, but again, retroactively, I'm giving it lower. Yeah. Uh, well, next week, we're, we're watching a movie that should be a little bit better. Um, you know, it's that movie uh, Tim Burton directed. It's got uh, Johnny Depp in it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I do know what you're talking about. Have that you seen it? List. Have you seen it? Ben. Oh, I've got the IMDb page pulled up. Yeah. Elijah, have you seen this movie? I have not. Oh, okay. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Now, this is going to be interesting because I have seen this movie. I really like this movie. What is it? Doing? I don't know that the same is going to be true for y'all. It is Ed Wood. Oh, what a time we are going to have. Um, they uh, came out in 1994. Um, yeah. the ambitious but troubled movie director Ed Wood I also yeah. came out in 1994 hey me oh, too okay. okay um I did not uh but anyway um yeah that's gonna be a time and I'm very interested to see what y'all think about this movie um I genuinely like it I don't know if that'll be the same for y'all um but that's been Percy Jackson yeah. Rebecca thank you so much for tearing this movie apart with me <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, we are certainly glad that you could uh, be on this week and uh, yeah. uh, keep up with us on social media uh, at Vitamin and all the other cool stuff that we do. Uh, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skin every Wednesday. Uh, maybe new episodes of Tea with Doug G on Monday nights, Doug. One day. We'll One just day. say maybe. Uh, it's coming back at some point. Um, yeah. Uh, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. I'm Rebecca. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Y'all have a great week. Mm-hmm.